0: Blog talk Radio. What's up guys, you're listening to Wide Open Radio, the nation's number one motorcycle talk radio show, with your hosts, Courtney Lambert and Dave Withrow. Hear real talk discussions about the latest custom motorcycle news and events. Now grab a drink and have a seat, because we're about to get started. What's up guys? You're listening to Wide Open Radio. I'm your host, Courtney Lambert, and I have my co-host Dave Withrow with us. How are you, Dave?
1: Good. Did you see I called in early tonight?
0: I did. I was so impressed. Good job.
1: Well, we did we didn't have that uncomfortable uh little talk that we normally do when I do call in early.
0: I know. Well, you know, I called in, and it said that we were having uh, some kind of issue with the program, and it hung up on me, and I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen now? So (laughs) (laughs) I had to call back real quick, but I'm glad it's okay. Um, Hey, before I forget to ask you, what is going on with um, your boy, Jared?
1: You know, why is he my boy? Just because I told one Jared joke. Like yes. five, six shows ago, now he's my boy.
0: Now he's all on you, and now I keep hearing all this stuff about how he's being prosecuted to the fullest, and how he had all this like a library of kitty porn, all these DVDs and and text messages, like thousands of text messages and phone calls, and what's wrong with the guy?
1: Did you say kitty or kitty? Ki-
0: kitty with a with two D's.
1: Okay, because it'd be that's
0: that's a man. whole other ballgame.
1: <laughs> exactly, but no, all I did was tell you the joke, and then I you know. didn't get the joke, and, and then you did the research, and now you get the joke, and you
0: know. Now I get it, Good. and now I, I, I'm hearing about it all the time, and I'm like, Ugh that's bad.
1: I uh, I hope they put them away for a long, long time, and we know what happens to those guys when they go in there. That's the one. Oh, he's gonna get like, it right back. Oh yeah, yeah. So, huh. what, what was that joke? He's, he'll have more 12 inches than he knows what to do with.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Who so knows? So you you know
1: on the intro on the intro where it says you know have a drink and relax I I picked up something with all this traveling so I'm taking I'm on a, a Z pack trying to flush my system. So I cannot drink tonight. I'm drinking seltzer water.
0: You're not sick. You're just engaged.
1: <laughs> what, this, this is what the rest of my life is going to be. Is that what you are saying?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Wow, is the Dave thanks. that we all know and love gone.
1: We'll find out. I'll be in Tampa <laughs> in, in how many days? Like 50-something days? I'll be partying wow, so with you, Corey, the... You, Corey, the pig, JR, we're all going to be there.
0: Uh, it's going to be debauchery, seriously. oh, I can't wait. Um, so did I tell you that you're coming down for uh, Thunder by the Bay, which is here in Sarasota. We've talked about that several times on the show. Have I told you that they told us last year that this year they're going to add a ruckus class to their bike show?
1: You know, that's because you and your goofy boyfriend probably told him that the ruckus thing was the biggest thing ever.
0: Nope. There were other people that we don't know that rode their ruckuses from across the state and put them in the show last year. So it had nothing to do with us.
1: But we will be there with our ruckuses. Don't worry. Is is ruckus like a Florida thing?
0: No. no. We have friends all over the country that have them. We have friends up in Wisconsin. Who have fully custom ruckuses? It's, it's a big thing.
2: Yeah,
1: well, my comeback to that is Jared had friends all across the country that also had kitty porn, so there you go.
0: All right. So you're going to ride my ruckus when you Can come I, down?
1: I will. I will. I like to ride anything new, so I'm I'm still dying to ride a scout.
0: Oh, you haven't ridden a scout, have you? Huh? Maybe we can arrange that while you're here. I've ridden one, and I loved it. My friend Tom, he may be listening tonight. I'm not sure. Um, I rode Tom Scout, I told you, back in uh, Johnstown in June. I yeah. freaking love that bike. It rides great. It's old. a good size.
1: When I was uh, heading out to uh, Vegas, I, mm-hmm. I stopped in at Indian Sturgis I had to drop something off. And they've got him on the floor. And uh, Jeff Olvestad, who's uh, their head sales guy, been in the industry a long time, used to work for Legendary, kind of gave me the rundown. And he's got one that uh, he had it for the rally, then he sent it back with Nick Trask, and they're doing all kinds of performance stuff on it. And he said with the right seat that's pushed back, I think, like an inch and a half, and with mm-hmm. the four controls, he said, I could ride it no problem. Like yeah, Actually, ride yeah. it and enjoy it. And I, not just hop on it and and do a test ride?
0: You know, you would would have to have the seat pushed back a little bit because I don't usually ride with forward controls. Everything that I have has mids on it. Um, And I rode Tom's Scout. It has forwards on it, obviously. And it was actually a good fit for me. One of the reasons I don't ride a lot of bikes with forwards on them, like any of the custom baggers and stuff that we do here at the shop, if I get on them, Corey's like, oh, ride this one here or do this. I don't feel completely comfortable because I'm just short. So a lot of times I can't even reach the shifter very well. I have to shift my whole body to reach the shifter. On that Scout, I could reach the forwards fine. So you would probably feel like you were riding something with mids on that if you didn't have the seat pushed
1: back. But it's a a good bike. And the way everybody's embraced this and and are making parts for it, I'm sure somebody has it so you can extend your controls out like three inches.
0: I'm sure. Surely somebody's done that, I would think. Well,
1: what's funny about uh talk about Indian is, for the first time ever, you know who I talked to today for about an hour? Who? Rusty Jones.
0: I don't know who that now, is, Dave.
1: Rusty Jones is from uh, out of the Myrtle Beach area. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the first guys that jumped on Victories and started making parts. And then he jumped on Indian before anybody was making parts. And he's now based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And he's in with the group that owns Indian and Sturgis, and they own automobile dealerships and and other motorcycle dealerships. So now he's got some infrastructure behind him. And I think he's up to like 500 parts between Indians and Victories. Holy
0: cow. Let me ask you something real quick before you go into this, because... This may clear things up. Is he the guy that had a couple of custom victories out? Um, oh, you know where Arlen Ness is set up for Sturgis and Indian? And I guess Victory's set up over there too, where Shope was set up this year? You don't come downtown.
1: No, I don't. Um, Well,
0: Somebody had. It it was like before everybody else jumped on the little bandwagon that's still small. um, Somebody had some out there, and I think I remember him being from the Carolinas,
1: and they were good-looking parts. It's probably him. He was the first one to put a 30 on a victory that we knew of, the first one to do a 30 on an Indian, and he's actually going to make the the 400-mile trip down next week, and we're going to shoot his – Indian with a 30, which she showed me a picture of. It's absolutely beautiful. Very cool. But, uh, but it's funny. You know, people just think we know everybody. And uh, yeah. he's one guy that I, I've heard his name, I've written his name, because there's a lot of people using his parts and just never met him. And uh, a mutual friend hooked us up today, and he said, call him right now. He needs to talk to you. And That's just could cool. be nicer. You know, you, you know how the Carolina people are. Just real friendly and uh, Somebody I definitely want to do something with because I I told him, I said, if I can find a good 2014 uh, cross-country, we'll do a year-long project and use a a ton of his parts.
0: Wait a minute. That's your choice after all this talk I hear about the Magnum for larger men?
1: Well, here's the thing. Why wouldn't I I I get a Magnum?
0: I like the cross-country. I love the
1: cross-country. But if I got a Magnum, what's the first thing I'd do? put a bigger wheel on it. Yeah. So why start with a twenty one and go to a twenty six? Why not you know, start with the cross country, which is lower to get into, you know,
2: right. by 2000
1: dollars. Because we're gonna change the paint. We're in, you know how well we do. We we change every part on it. Yeah. So uh that's if I if I was buying a bike that I was just gonna ride and and well we always say that. You know, and every one of my friends has <laughs> said that, and and, and half the bike features that get sent to me start with, I was gonna get a stock bike and keep it stock. Mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna do anything. At forty five thousand dollars later, so you know who am I kidding? You know what? Because I go, well, I got to do an air cleaner and pipes at least. Well, I got to do a seat. Yep. Well, and then it never ends. So uh, I, yep. I would be lying to myself if if I just did that. But yeah, I, I love the cross country. I all I care about is that. One model doesn't have uh, cruise control. One does. I want the one with cruise control. But, yeah, I want to find one as cheap as I can. I don't care if it's been uh, abused because everything's coming off.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope you guys work that out because that'll be cool for everybody to be able to follow in the magazines.
1: Yeah, I don't think uh, anybody's really done that yet. You know, we do it how many times a year with Harleys, but mm-hmm. I think it's definitely definitely time to do it with a victory. And after a victory, we'll probably do an Indian. So, uh, victory better love to, you for that. I hope so. I <laughs>
0: hope
1: so. You know, I, I did write in in there that uh, the Bagum for larger men was the best stock bagger that I'd ever ridden. So I put that in, in print twice,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I hope they do love it. I actually sent... Uh, one had the head guys at Polaris, uh, about 12 copies of the new issue of American Bagger with uh, the Ass Kicker Indian on it. And that's the first Indian that we've ever put on the cover. So that was kind of special. So I sent him that and some coverage we did on the ride to the 76 and, and talking about the different Polarises that we've ridden. So, uh-huh. yeah, like I said, when, when it's when it's somebody who doesn't advertise with you and you make that bold of a statement, then uh, yeah. that to me is saying something. Mhm.
0: Yeah, because you know what? A lot of people probably have a problem believing 100% whenever somebody like you who owns magazines, you know, if you say, oh, yeah, I love this, in the back of their mind they're probably thinking, mm, do you love it because they advertise with you or do you love it because you love it? So that does say something big. You know what, though? Also, let me throw this in there. I think you guys, you have to hand pick your – are you picky with your advertisers? You must be.
1: Well, it- It's gotten to the point in life where, you know, I worked for uh, Easy Riders, I worked for Peterson when they were the largest company. I worked for Prime Media Mm -hmm. when they were the largest company and and bought Peterson. And, you know, it was a corporate culture. And you had to, there were stockholders and there was presidents and and you had to report to people. And it's so nice to be able to say, yeah, I would like that money, but I think you're a dick and I don't take your money. You know, it's, uh, we walk, we walk away from money all the time because if it's people we don't like doing business with we don't want your money you know we we would rather just not not cover you act like you don't exist and we'll go our way you go your way and that's that's one of the beauties of owning your own company is to, that you can flip the bird when you want and you can write what you feel is the truth and not be censored by a yep. bean counter that says oh we shouldn't say that you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll get in trouble so well,
0: that says a lot for your books because as I was saying that, I was thinking, you know, some of these guys who aren't necessarily in the industry but they are into custom motorcycles, um, they may think that. They may think that you're partial to your advertisers, but I kind of look at it from the inside like you're partial to your – like, you know, you you obviously are picky with who advertises because you've got a lot of really great advertisers with those books.
1: So that's good. Well, and, and, and it's always going to be that way as long as – as i own it is because like i said I, if you want to get rich you don't you don't get in this business in the first place and i've been doing it 25 years and if i would have gone the automotive route it w- it was a lot more lucrative but you mm-hmm. you became a whore on that side so i got my right. feet wet over there and and never wanted to go back and you know you do it cuz you love it you love the people you love i mean when you can get on your bike and your job is to ride a motorcycle 2400 miles to sturgis with all your friends it doesn't matter what you make, that's a cool day, that's a cool week, yep. that's a cool 10 days. And then you get here, and you hang out with all your friends for a week, and you write about it, and you take pictures, and you live and breathe it. You know, the, And you get tramp you put, Damn right you do, you know? <laughs> which, which is never going to go away, because everywhere I go, somebody brings it up, and most of the people still think it's fake, like you didn't really do it. And I go, you know, if I'm going to put my name on it and say I'm doing it for charity, you got to do it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. That's still
1: yeah, I'm, so kind of I'm kind of offended when people think that I, I didn't really do it, that it was a gag. You know, guys say, hey, you know, you got my thousand bucks. I, I would have given it to you either way. It's like, no, no. Yeah. you
2: we'll get you to
1: get a little blood, a little blood and pain and embarrassment and humiliation for
0: That's too funny.
1: Um, You know, I I was going to tell you that, uh, you know, the hardest thing that I do in my job is 26 times a year, every two weeks, I have to come up with something clever that you think the readers and and especially your friends in the industry will read. And the one of the Urban Bagger that's about to hit uh, with the Bikers for Boobies bike on the cover, I talked about how I decided to start wearing a helmet again. and. Mm I said, yeah. You know, I grew up in California when there's no helmet law, and I can remember being 15 years old, and I would leave the house on my motorcycle, and as soon as I got around the corner, I'd take the helmet off, and then I'd ride all day without a helmet. And
2: mm-hmm. When
1: California went to a helmet law, we would wear them, but the minute we got to Sturgis, we'd take them off, and we've lost some good friends in the industry over the years from motorcycle crashes, and a helmet doesn't always protect you, but I started thinking if something happens to me, what happens to my company? All those people, and, you know, with Samara and the boys, now I've got people that are counting on me. So I kind of wrote about that, and it was personal. And and sometimes they flow, and then sometimes you're literally, we're shipping the magazine, and you can't think of a damn thing to say. But we're working working on Urban today, and I'm looking at USA Today, and they have an article that uh, General Motors uh, has been making – some Buicks in China for the Chinese market. Now they're going to import a Buick kind of crossover small SUV into the U.S. market, and it just hit me and just pissed me off. And it was just one of those things where isn't this the same company that we as taxpayers bailed out during the recession, and we got what sixty cents on the dollar back, I think, from our investment in GM. And then they used the recession to to go against the uh the United Auto Workers and get all the concessions they needed so when they came out of the recession they'd be more profitable. And it just made me think, you know, one would you buy a General Motors product knowing it was made in China? And then it kinda led to me, Well Harley's making motorcycles in India now. Yeah. Would you ever buy an American motorcycle that was actually made overseas, India, Japan, Korea, but it said Harley, or or Victory, or Indian. And it just got mm-hmm. me thinking. It just got mm-hmm. me pissed off. And I said, in the end, I would rather ride a Honda that was made in the United States than a Harley that was made in India.
0: That's a pretty bold statement. It, well, at
1: least U.S. hands touched it. Yep. You know, U.S. hands got paid to assemble it. And, uh, you know, the we as Americans got to benefit from them having a plant in Tennessee or Georgia or, you know, Mm -hmm. Ohio. So it was just something that – so I wrote my column for next issue of American Bagger about a week ahead of time while I'm still working on Urban because it just – that one article just sent me off, just sent me over the edge because, you know, we've lost so many jobs over there. And somebody might say, well, you know, Harley's got a plant in India, but that's for the Indian market. And they're, I think, servicing Asia and Europe. Well, all the bikes used to be made in America, so you can't say that we didn't lose jobs because Harley is making bikes in India. Because if they weren't making them in yeah. India, they'd be making them in Kansas City or Milwaukee you know, or Pennsylvania.
0: Hmm. I'd like to hear from some of our listeners on that, how they feel about it, because it's a good point. And... Ironically, it's something that a lot of people either don't understand is going on or they don't want to believe it. Because you hear so many people say, oh, I, I deal with Harley. I won't get on those foreign bikes. And you're like, what do you think you're on? Like, do you think that's completely made in the United States? Surely people know that by now, but...
1: And you know, I even I touched on that. We do have a global economy, and I said, I think you'd have to be pretty naive to think any American made vehicle, whether it's automotive or motorcycle is a hundred percent or 70% or maybe even 60% made in America. You know, what, what happens is you look at it and you go, okay, my, my price that I want to get to retail is 19,000. Well, who can make me a seat for $55 right.
2: and you fit that <laughs> out.
1: And you know what, if the guy in, Pakistan can do it for 55 and you can meet your delivery and you can meet your quality you're going to go with Pakistan so yeah. you
2: know, that's
1: just the, the nature of the business nowadays uh, but yeah I'd like to know what, what people think if people even care or you know is it is it my generation and older that care and the younger guys are like yeah we don't care I mean you're much much younger than me Courtney what do you think are you just oh, me I uh, am mean-
0: so much younger <laughs>
1: Take the compliment when it's
0: given. Thank you, Dave. I personally, I agree with you. I understand from a business standpoint um, why people would outsource things if there's that much of a bottom line difference. But the quality has to be there to even start to justify it. So many people outsource parts manufacturing to China and the stuff is crap. I don't, I, I can't justify that. I, I don't understand that at all. You know, yeah, you're you're having it done. You know, a a part that you would have to pay a hundred and twenty five dollars to have made here in the states. You, yeah, you're probably having it made for twenty bucks over in China, but it falls apart whenever somebody tries to put it on their bike. So, I can't I can't wrap my head around that at all. If you're paying a hundred twenty five dollars for a part here in the states, and you can have it made in China for twenty dollars shipped, packaged, everything, and it's a good quality product, then that's something you have to think about. Um, I I would prefer that everything be made here in the States. We have plenty of people who are on unemployment or homeless or jobless or, you know, p- plenty of qualified people here. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know exactly where I stand on it. I lean towards I wish everything were made in the, in the United States and we could just buy everything here locally. Uh, but I do understand, from a business standpoint, why somebody would consider that, you know?
1: What well, Are you a, a fan of Shark Tank?
0: Am I TV a fan show? of what?
1: Shark Tank, the TV show.
0: Oh, I love That is one of the only TV shows that I will actually watch.
1: Well, have you noticed that every time a guy comes out with some cool product and he goes, you know, I'm in Tennessee and... It's really important, and they're, they get, they're usually almost in tears that I wanted to revitalize my local economy and, and have it mm-hmm. made in America and made in my hometown. And every time, what do the sharks say? Nope, first thing we're going to, if I get involved, we're going to send yep. it overseas. Yep. And I've and seen the guys stick to their guns and say, you know what, I'm not interested, and I've seen guys go, well, you know, I'll take the deal. And it's, it's a still tough moral dilemma.
0: Yeah, it's disheartening. You got to look at it too again from the business side and say if these guys sitting on that panel who are on that show because of their business sense, they must know without a shadow of a doubt that there's no way to make it happen unless you make that move. You know? I guess the question is why aren't we able to do that here? Our, our economy is just mm, <laughs> Our economy's something else if we can't even compete with with stuff like that. I don't know if our cost of living is too much. I don't know. It's crazy, though, but I can't wait to see that article come out. And if anybody listening wants to weigh in on that, I'd like to hear it. We do have somebody on the phone with a question real quick. You want to go ahead and take it? Sure. All right. So, um, Kevin, I think. Yeah, Kevin. Um, Kevin is on the line with us. I believe. Let's make sure. Kevin, you with us? I'm
3: here. Yeah.
0: Hey, how are you?
3: Hey, I'm doing good. Hey, Dave. What's going on, bud? This is Kevin. Tell us from who America you are and, and what
0: you're. Kevin, tell, us, tell everybody who you are.
3: My name's Kevin Sockwell. I'm the owner of American Drag Seats. I actually just had a blue bagger featured in uh, American Bagger in September.
0: Beautiful bike.
3: Yes. Thank yeah, you very I much. Shop- I appreciate that.
1: I shot that uh, at the Rot Rally when I boycotted the rat, uh, Rot Rally and just hung out in Austin. And, yeah, uh,
3: I saw the article. I thought that was awesome. <laughs>
1: and uh, Kevin and I have a, a good mutual friend, Tex, from uh, TexFX, and uh, they knew I was going to be down there, got a hold of me, and uh, Kevin showed up with his whole posse and a uh, beautiful bike. Loved it. I think it just won the, the Rot Rally show, if I remember right, his class or best in show.
3: Both. It did both of those. Awesome. I was really happy to win that. But anyway, what I wanted to talk to you all about is I've been listening to you all for like the last 20 minutes and you're talking about outsourcing work and everything. I've been in business since 1997. I've had multiple companies. Well, my last company is, of course, the Custom Motorcycle Seats. We actually went through a growth spurt back in 2005 in the heyday of the choppers. And we actually make and manufacture american iron horse replacement seats nice so i was dealing with some local companies about making molds uh you know with the fiberglass the pouring foam and all of the companies here had a specific number that they had to have for the tooling well you know as like anybody else you google everything so i I googled and looked and the only manufacturers that i could find that would even were anywhere even close to being cost effective were overseas Um, But here and again, you have to spend a whole lot of money to get a container full. Well, there was no way I was going to order 10,000 seats, you know, for a custom chopper company when they hadn't even produced 10,000 bikes yet. So let alone the name of my company, American, you know, I I I just figured, you know what, I might as well stay small and do it in America. I I do know the fiberglass, the resins, some of the, the textiles that I use, the materials. All these things may be manufactured overseas. I know a lot of the products that manufacture those products are made right here, ironically, in Pasadena, Texas, in the petrochemical industries. So, you know, when I would love to see all that money come back to manufacturers here. I think we could do it. I don't think we'll ever be able to do it for as cheap Because, I mean, you have people, and this is going to stir some stuff up, but you have people complaining that they need to make $15 an hour flipping burgers. (laughs) So, you know, when you talk about a motorcycle seat that I literally, it cost me $700 to make here by myself, you could take it overseas and give it to China, and they can literally produce the exact same seat completely finished out for $27. That, That was the price difference. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, in order to get that $27, you have to order the entire container full. Well, how many seats can you fit in a container? Well, they do cubic feet, so they measure out the seat and they'll tell you how many they can fit in a container. Then you've got customs. Then you have the taxes and the tariffs and stuff that you're going to have to pay to get it over here. So it's still really inexpensive but you're still having to put so much of your money into it, and you never know if you're going to actually be able to to sell them. The profit margins are astronomical. But here and again, you, you just don't know if you're going to be able to sell it.
1: Well, and yeah. another thing a lot of people don't realize is if, if Apple is coming out with a new iPhone and you're waiting for your container, and all of a sudden Apple comes and literally buys space on every ship, your stuff could go, hey, we were going to send it... To in a week. Now we're going to send it in 6 months because you're at the very back of the line cuz Apple is going to be our, our our supplier and our money guy for for the next 100 years. So sorry.
2: <laughs>
1: and I've I've had that happen to a lot of my friends, you know, that or you get one bad batch and there goes your name because quality control on that one container that you put all your money into
3: was horrible. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that story too. So, but Here and again, you know, I just wanted to chime in real quick because I've got a whole list of stuff that I've... I actually invented an air ride system that I actually have produced right here in California of all places. And it's awesome. Prices are great. Everything is good here on a very small rate because it's done with a mom-and-pop shop. Right. So I'm able to produce those and, and, and keep from the production being overseas, so I feel really good about that. But the other stuff, I just have to take the bullet and hand-build them here?
1: You know, it, it's it's kind of like Walmart. When I was growing up, there wasn't Walmart out west. And I can remember, I went to college, and we were studying Walmart, and I go, what the hell is Walmart? And it's like a necessary evil. They've been great to us as far as they put American Bagger and Urban Bagger on the map when I got picked up by them. But it's a double-edged sword sometimes. You're like, you're, you're looking at these toys. Remember when we were kids, Kevin? Because we're about the same age. Mm-hmm. And You got like one decent toy, and that was it. Well, now you take that same money, 40 years later, and you can buy a shopping cart full of toys. That's correct. It's it's just things are just so damn cheap, and the quality control. You know, you buy something for your dog, and you find out it's it's poison to them. You know, it's 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 a moral dilemma that we all deal with, and we are all guilty of being consumers and or having product made over there and there's no easy answer but it's a dialogue we need to continue
3: right well and it's funny you brought that part up not to interrupt you but you're talking about the quality you know when you go today and and I know because I have a 23 year old and a 3 year old if I go to buy the 3 year old a toy I don't mind if it breaks because it only costs me pennies on the dollar now so now if it breaks I just go buy another one you know whereas when my 23 year old was growing up if I bought toys and they broke, I actually took the time to go back to the store and said, "Hey, man, this is defective. It's broken. Give me my money back or replace it with something better." Society's not made to do that anymore, and it's 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 horrible. But people just replace everything the moment it breaks. They don't ever repair it anymore,
0: or they go or I mean, on the media and complain and about it. it.
1: Mm-hmm. Do, do we even have TV repairmen anymore? I mm-hmm. mean, your, your TV goes, you you give it to the Goodwill and good Salvation Army. And you go buy another one because now the TV you bought five years ago, you can get the same TV for half the price with twice the pixels and, and bigger screen. And, you know, it's, it's we're, we're in that society. that.
3: Right. I got pixels. one for you that just happened to me. It literally happened Monday, this past Monday, three days ago. So my wife told me a week and a half ago, we just bought our house a year ago. We moved in a year ago. We decided we were going to buy a new TV buy a new refrigerator and, and you know certain new things because it's brand new. So we go to Sears and I'm going to drop that name. Uh we buy this really nice Kenmore side-by-side stainless steel state of the art retarded uh refrigerator. So the handle comes off. Just like maybe a month ago the handle started just working its way loose and it's it's nothing for me to fix it. I mean it's really an allen head wrench. You you're done. So she said, well, I already called the repairman to come out because we have a warranty on it for 12 months. So the repairman's coming out to change the the water filter because, you know, it's got that purified water. And you can get the water yeah. out of the door and the ice and everything. So we couldn't figure out, and, and I'm embarrassed to say it because I tried everything under the moon to figure out how to get the filter out of the inside of the refrigerator, and I couldn't get the door open. I felt like I was going to break it. So she said, well, let me call the repairman. I'll have him come out. He'll take care of that, and we'll just go and let him fix the door handle, too. It's under warranty. Well, right before the Lone Star Rally this past weekend in Galveston, I had enough. I just ha I, OCD. I had to repair that door handle just for my own peace of mind, so I repaired it. Tighten the screw back up, done. The guy comes out Monday. I'm at work at my day job, and when I got home that night, the little replaced filter light was still on, and I'm like, well... Why is the light on? The repairman was here at 11 a.m. this morning. Why is the filter not replaced? And she looked at me and she goes, now why would he replace the filter? That's our responsibility. I was like, wait a minute. You call this repairman out here. What happens if it had a bad filter or the the, the thing was defective when you bought it? Why wouldn't he replace that? They don't do that. When you pay $2,700 for a freaking refrigerator... They will not replace the filter. They'll show you how to open the door, but they're not going to repair any of it. They want you to go buy a brand-new filter that's almost $100, and then you do it. So they'll drive an hour and a half to get to you to open a, a little plastic door, but they won't replace the filter. Here and again, that's what you're talking about. Customer service, it's just not there. That's why this economy, I feel like, is, the way, is going the way it is, because he doesn't care anything about anything Except the dollar amount he's going to get paid. There's zero customer service.
0: I totally Sorry. agree. There, I, we, I went on
3: a trend <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> a tangent. Well, like, I, we, like
1: uh, I said, it starts the dialogue, and, and that's the thing is, is talking about these things because you know if you, you can't bury your head in the sand, I mean, they, nope. if you do, then they win. So
3: that's right,
0: Dave. I have a, a
3: list oh,
0: of things that. I wanted to make sure that we talked about that. You know, I I usually don't really make a list, but I made a list tonight because I was like, oh, we don't have a guest, and I want to make sure that we kind of get it because I kind of miss talking to you. So I was like, let me make a list of things that I want to make sure that we talk about. We've not talked about one of them, which is good. I made the list so that if we didn't have anything to talk about, I could go back to my list and say, oh, here's something we can talk about. But I do want to talk about – a couple of things. One, real quick, not to completely change the subject, but I've had a couple people since we've been on the show message me about this. I messed up last week, and I texted you right after the show, I think, and told you um, I said that Kobe Klein was going to be on this week.
2: Yeah, from
0: you Speed by Design, and I totally messed up. Um, several people in the last half hour since we've been on have texted me or messaged me asking about that, so before – Everybody gets in an uproar. Um, Kobe's on next week. I, that's totally my bad. I made I made a mistake, but that's going to be a good show. Speed by Design. Um, so I wanted to hit on that first. Um, and while we're talking about scheduling, um, Thursday, Thanksgiving, I I don't expect us to do a show on Thanksgiving. But you want to do a replay? Yeah, we should. Okay, so we'll do like a rerun that day. Um, we
1: or you know what? We could always. Do a Wednesday show, and play yeah. it Thursday. We can all, yeah. you know. I think if whatever people want, if they want to hear hear us, we'll do it. All
0: right. Um, I want to hear did a we, little did bit. Did we
1: say goodbye to Kevin? By the way, no, Kevin, you didn't.
3: The, <laughs> uh, Sorry,
0: I had a, one more person message me about that, and I was like, oh, let me touch on that real quick.
1: I, I feel we got to properly say goodbye. Uh so I am coming again to the non uh rot rally. So if you got something new for me, let me know, Kevin. If not I'm we'll, working uh, my butt off to get it done. Okay, perfect. But I'll <laughs> I'll do the same thing. We'll find some place downtown. Uh bring your posse. We'll come early, we'll go grab a drink and
3: uh we'll have some fun. Awesome buddy, I appreciate that. Thanks for calling I appreciate Kevin. you
1: li- Yeah, I appreciate you not only listening but calling in.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I enjoy this stuff. God bless you guys, and y'all have a good night. All right. You too. Take care, bud. All right, bye bye.
0: Oh, okay. I think a that's lot, lot properly, of people. What?
1: That's how you prop That's how you properly say goodbye. By the way.
0: Thank you, Dave. Now I know. Lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally had like I think seven or eight people. Where's Where's Speed by Design? I thought Speed by Design was coming on. I'm like, oh boy, okay. Um, So can you do like a – can you kind of give us a recap on how your SEMA visit ended up going? I know, I mean, last week during the show you were there, but can you tell us, like, is there anything else that you saw while you were there or anything else that happened that you can tell us about? You
1: know, it was just sensory overload. You know, normally when I would do SEMA, I'd be there the whole week and still feel like I didn't get anything accomplished. But when I literally had a full day there – and that was it uh i i just felt like you know it's like where do you start you know when you have a hundred things to do at work and you just you get so frazzled you don't do any of them that's the way i felt. Yeah. Is is i went i went in search of every bike specifically baggers that i could find and every time i would see somebody I, you know i'd run into the hoffman i'd go who's here and he'd go uh at mtx so i'd go over and see john talk to him take some pictures of bikes and then, oh, is that a clock bike? Then I'd go over, and take a picture of a clock bike, look for Dan or Brian. Didn't see him. Then I run into Big Matt from Broward. Okay. He go, oh, you got to go to Pro Charger. They've got uh, uh, a cool bike there. So we go over to Pro Charger, and then you start talking, and then you take a picture. And then so he goes, oh, well, you, there's another bike over here. And I just literally went from bike to bike. And, uh. you know. I, I think I saw two automotive guys that I knew that I could talk to real quick, but then I'd see somebody at a glance and go, "Man, he was my editor the truck." And I'd love to talk to Steve, but I got to go over here now. And
0: right. Well, so I'm glad so it, to hear you say that because a lot of people. I've asked everybody how the motorcycle, how the motorcycle industry was represented at SEMA this year, and a lot of people have have said that there were actually a good bit of bikes there and a lot of people from the motorcycle industry. So. I've, that made me feel
1: good. And there always will be. I can remember yeah, when when it was Nemco and not Biker's Choice, and, and Skeeter Todd was there, and I would see Skeeter every year at SEMA, i go, who are you here to see? To? Who are you here to see? And he goes, I don't know yet until I see him. He was always looking for a new bolt manufacturer, just some new guy uh-huh. that nobody knew about that he could bring over to the motorcycle side, so all the old guys, like, you'd always see Donnie Smith there, and Perowitz was always there representing some paint person, and Arlen's always gone there. So you'd always see these guys, and it was kind of cool, because you're, you're here with your automotive hat on, but you've got to, you know, you're the bike side, and then the coolest guys in the industry go walking by. Yeah. Uh, so, not having a booth at that show is a little different, but I can remember the first time that I wrote about this. The first time I walked in, I'd only done the original Cincinnati show and I think the, there's a Las Vegas distributor show and you kind of feel puffed up like I'm part of this big motorcycle industry
2: mm-hmm, and right. you
1: walk in and you, you see SEMA and it's literally 25, 30 times bigger than our biggest motorcycle show and you're like deflated, like wow. this is Now this is the big time. So yeah, yeah. I mean trying to do business with there, I would have appointments on the hour every hour for five days when I used to do SEMA. C- and, and even wow. then, you didn't feel like you saw everybody.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned um, Skeeter. I love that guy.
1: Only guy that I knew that had a uh, turbo on a Buell. <laughs> yeah, he just He's had awesome. that mind, you know. And I don't yeah. know if you ever got to know his, his brother Tommy, who uh, he'd build a bike for Avon every year. He He had a shop. He's retired now, but... Just the nicest guy in the world, and I'd only see him once a year. It was always great to see him, and, and now he's uh, probably building snowmobiles out in upstate New York, knowing him, you know, just for the fun <laughs> of it. Because those, those guys just build sick things to yep. prove that they can build them.
0: I can see him building like a turbo lawnmower or something. Hey, Dave, we have yeah, another yeah. Uh, another question, uh, real quick. Uh, this is from Josh. Josh, how are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Do you have a question?
2: Yeah, uh, I was wondering what's the best tire to use for a twenty-six, six-inch uh, wheel, and
1: on the fenders, metal or fiberglass? What, what do you prefer?
0: That's a popular question.
1: You know, I, I've always preferred, I've always preferred steel. Um, I'm a big fan of fat caps, and uh, when I was out visiting Tol during SEMA. I asked them, you know, they've kind of come out with every part in fiberglass. And I said, how come you don't do a uh, front fender? And they said, because a fat catch does it so well. So <laughs> uh, that's about the nicest compliment I could hear from somebody who's actually manufacturing parts and manufactures in-house so they could make that fender tomorrow if they wanted to and would rather do steel. And our guy Jason kind of feels like when you use steel... And you bolt that fender down that everything just becomes snug and there's no flex and it just fits right and rides better. So some people yeah. love fiberglass, some people like steel, I like steel.
0: As far as the tires go, um I'm I'm personally a big fan of Shinko. Shinko and Metzler both make great twenty yeah. six inch tires. I, I tend to sell a lot more Shinko's because they're priced a little more affordably. Um, and they're a great alternative to the V-Rubber that everybody's used to using whenever it was the only option. Um, but I, we did just do a Metzler yesterday, and they're both awesome tires. You know, I I can't say anything bad about either one of those. All I have to say is good. Um, and fenders, I, I definitely say go with metal. Um, I'm partial to Randy at Be Cool. Uh, we sell a ton of his fenders pretty much any big wheel conversion that we do gets one of his fenders on it in fact he's all the time posting pictures of our bikes lined up with you know 10 12 different bikes with all his fenders on them um they're again just like you said fat cats they're they're just a good quality product we have a good relationship with him he takes care of us and um I, i i like their stuff so i definitely say go with a steel fender as well or some kind of metal
2: yeah, are you, ma- are you doing
1: car- a
0: conversion on your bike?
1: I'm considering it. Okay, I'm just trying to get information about them, what parts to gather or whatnot. Okay, cool. All right. Well, you hopefully know, that what, helps. What I, will, what I will say, Josh, is what happens a lot of times is the guys will go to a 23, and then six months later go, I should have done a 26. So I think if, if your bike is set up right, if your rake and trail is correct and you have a good tire. I prefer Metzler just because I've always been a Metzler guy and uh, I've I've never even actually used a Shinko, but I know when we talk to people, it's about 50-50. But if you use a good tire, your rake and trail is correct. Uh, You can push that 26 as hard as you push a 21. So don't undersell yourself and then end up spending twice as much money down the road. If you think you're going to like a 26, do a 26. Don't do a 23 and then a 26. Uh, that's yeah.
0: just my advice. A good testament to that, Dave. I don't know if I've shared the story with you guys, but um, we have a customer here at the shop. His son did a 26-inch front end on his CVO. And brand-new CVO bought it pretty much right off the showroom floor, brought it in, cut the neck, did a 26. And he was a little iffy, you know, oh, I don't know if I want to cut the neck or not. I don't know if I want to do a bolt-on kit. So... um we let him ride one of the bikes here. He came back said, I want to do it just like this. This ride's amazing. So his dad is in the background the whole time, and Jose is, I don't know how old Jose is. He's in his 30s, and his dad was with him. I guess he's probably in his 60s maybe. Um, they may be listening tonight too, so don't be mad at me if you're not in your 60s. But um, I could see his wheels turning, and he was like, I think whenever his bike's finished, I'm going to do this too. And he didn't even question it, Dave. Like, as soon as Jose's bike was finished, Jam brought his bike in. We did the 26 on his, and they text me, we're out riding. We've put this many thousand miles on our 26-inch front ends. They ride better than stock. And it's funny to hear that because you hear people say it, but you wonder if it's true. And like you said, if it's done right and you use all the right parts, they ride great.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've had so many of our friends that ride them cross-country every single year to Sturgis and back. And while they're here, they put on 1,000-plus miles. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I said when MESPA came out with the 26, it was a a game-changer, not knowing the Shinko was right behind it. So it was a double game-changer and just legitimized the 26.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, good luck, Josh. Whatever you end up doing, whatever you end up going with, I'm sure it'll work out great for you. Thanks for calling and listening.
2: Uh, you're welcome. Thank you.
0: All right. Take have a good buddy. night. You
2: too, so,
0: while we're on that topic, um, you know, I've heard confirmed rumors, so they're not really rumors. I mean, I know that it's going to happen, but um, when do you think the the, the first thirty that's not be rubber is going to come out?
1: I, if they were smart, they would introduce it at uh, Cincy in February and let yeah. people know. Even if they can't quite get it to market by then, just let people know. So if a might hold off a little bit, because that'll be, you know, the 30 will never be as popular as the 26, just because aesthetically, you know, when you look at a 30 from the side, it's hard to make it flow with the lines. You know, it's just so big on the front compared to a 26. I mean, 26, as we all agree, just flow beautifully when they're done right. But yeah. I think it'll get get a lot of people that wouldn't have done a 30 and all of a sudden go, wow, now I've got a legitimate you know, tire company behind this. And the other thing is, we've always said competition is good. It's going to make V-Rubber make a better 30, and they should be making a better 26 now because
2: mm-hmm. they don't want to
1: give up that market share. And there's an awful lot of tires and a lot, a lot of money to be made, so... We've said it with Harley, Victory, and in Indian. Competition is good, and the consumer is the winner in the end because it'll oh, yeah. keep prices down and quality goes up.
0: I I just can't believe it blows my mind that V-Rubber cornered the market for so long. I mean, it's crazy that somebody didn't do whatever it takes to, to make it happen quicker. I know they were probably hanging back to see if the 26s and the 30s were going to hang around, but people have been doing 26s for a long time now. So I'm so surprised my, that it was this year that somebody finally got something else
1: out for sale. You know, my per, my my personal theory on why it took Metzler so long was they were convinced to do that 24-inch tire, uh-huh. and that 24 uh-huh. never took off, and that's a lot of money. So, you uh-huh. know, that's somebody's job on the line when they say, oh, yeah, well, raise your hand and, and – you know, I've I've heard it cost 150 grand to make a mold. I don't know if that's true or not, but if you're the guy for Metzler that raised your hand and said, "Hey, boss, let's let's spend 150 thousand dollars to make a 24 inch tire," and then it went nowhere, right. if you still have a job, are you going to be the guy that raises his hand again and says, "You know, I was wrong <laughs> about the 24, but I think the 26 is going to catch on." Yeah.
0: Well, it's so it a good my, point. My you know, feeling. I believe that it takes. That much money to do it because it's not like you're making a, a a lever or a grip or something. You're making something that could make or break somebody's life. You know, you're making a tire, and if right. it's not perfect, then you're putting people's lives at risk. So there's a probably, I would assume, a lot of testing that goes along with it. It's not just making a mold like you make a mold for a saddlebag. It's making a mold. Producing it, testing it. There's, there's a lot more that goes into it. I would imagine.
1: So, say with all that, it costs, you know, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh huh. So when somebody sees a, a what's a, what's a twenty-six inch messler cost? Uh, three hundred bucks.
0: Three hundred bucks, yeah.
1: Okay, well, that's three hundred bucks to the consumer. So if you buy, if a distributor buys it, he gets it for what, one hundred fifty bucks. And then sells it to the dealer for two twenty. You just killed
0: a lot of people out there. A lot of a lot of builders are probably like, oh.
1: <laughs> you know, but but what I'm saying is that their cost on that tire might be a hundred bucks, and yeah. they make fifty dollars profit. So if yeah. three hundred fifty thousand is the magic number,
0: it's a lot
2: of tires. That's
1: a lot of tires. Oh yeah. Know. So so nobody, you know, we we live in this age where nobody wants to raise their hand and and take a chance. So. I think that's why it took so long is they started seeing yeah. the numbers and, and if you're Metzler and all of a sudden your distributors are going, Hey, we're we're getting a lot of requests. We think we could be making some good money. Why aren't you doing this? You hear it from a big player like Drag Specialties or Biker's Choice, and then all of a sudden you go, Okay, our our number one clients want us to do it, we need to do it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I I it's just been a long time that we've had 26s out with only one option. So it's it's been interesting this year to see the market kind of change and um, to see the, the number of these new tires that have been selling. I know I've sold a ton of them. It's crazy. Um, it's also funny. This is completely off topic, but it's funny when you go to ship one of these, Sometimes if I'm going to the post office anyway, I'll grab some 26-inch tires that I've sold and I'll just take them to the post office with me instead of having UPS pick them up. And these old people here, you know, it's all old people here in Sarasota. They just, you, get, you they're like staring and they want to ask so badly, like, what does that go on? <laughs> I tell them it goes on my bicycle. And they just kind of look
2: at I've, me.
1: Funny. Next time, say it's a hula hoop bumper.
0: <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense.
1: <laughs> well, you put it—you put it around your hula hoop,
0: yeah.
1: and that—that that way, if you bump into something, it, it, the shock is absorbed by the rubber.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. No, uh, I'll try it. We'll Just see what happens. You know? I'll report they're, back. They're
1: not all—they're not all gems. They—they they can't all be like the guy who walked in the bar with asphalt. You know, they—they they can't all be jewels <laughs> like that. You know.
0: I gotta. I have to find a really good joke to start next week's show with. I'm gonna. I'm gonna like blow you away. You're not even gonna be. Well, you will be expecting it now because I'm telling you, but maybe you'll forget about it. And I'm gonna come on, and I'm just gonna be like, bam! Here's a joke. And you're gonna be like, whoa! Where'd that come from? No.
1: Well, you know, I do have a. I do have one for you. Uh,
0: of course you do.
1: And it's clean. Like I, I try and keep all of my jokes clean. Even my Jared jokes are clean. But uh, this time a guy walks in a bar with his dog, goes to order a beer and the uh, bartender says, hey, you can't have your dog in here.
3: And he Mm -hmm. goes, well,
1: sir, I'm blind. It's my seeing eye dog. And he goes, oh, God, I'm sorry. He goes, let me buy you a beer. So the guy takes his beer and he sits down by the door and next guy walks in and he's got a chihuahua and he goes, hey, tell the guy that that's your seeing eye dog. So he goes up, and the guy goes, Hey, you can't be in here with that dog. And he goes, Well, I'm blind. It's my seeing eye dog. And he goes, Sir, nobody has a chihuahua as a seeing eye dog. The guy goes, God damn it. They gave me a chihuahua? (laughs) I thought since we both had chihuahuas, you would appreciate
0: that. I have too many chihuahuas. You should bring, are you bringing yours to, um, are you bringing Roxy to Tampa?
1: No, Roxy has not flown yet. So. Oh,
0: okay.
1: But, but Roxy has her first hair appointment tomorrow.
0: Oh, God. You are engaged.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all, all I said was, what do they call it on the back? Is it the nethers? What, you know, on the back of a dog where it grows in really thick?
0: I don't
1: know. It's, I don't know. The back yeah, of a so dog. It's growing it, really sticks there, and I'm like, let's just cut it, and Sam says, no, let's let's take her and get her groomed, so I, I expect to get her back with, like, nail polish and uh, a little mm-hmm. paint bubble. But no? If, if that's what it takes, I'll be okay with it. Yeah. Hey, what, what else is on your list? I'm dying to, to see. Hold on, on I list. do
0: have a joke for you. Okay. I'm so scared you're not going to laugh. What do you call Harley that doesn't leak oil?
1: What do you call Harley that doesn't leak well? Well, in the old days, we called call it an evolution, but it, that's not funny, so I give up. What do you call it?
0: Empty.
1: So that empty. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's not relevant. I got you to laugh. <laughs> but they don't leak anymore. Oh, gosh. They, they leaked when they were shovel heads. That's, listen, that's like something you would have seen. in 1978. my it, joke.
0: In a, don't don't do it. Don't critique my joke. So my list is to talk about Sema.
1: <laughs> I like how you With, just go right past Okay, we'll talk about Sema, which we did.
0: <laughs> I want to talk about Lone Star because I was there and we did a bag, baddest bagger there, and um, so I want to talk about that for a minute. Um, do you have you've been to Lone Star? You just didn't go this time, right?
1: No, I've never been. I've been to Galveston, but I've never been to Lone Star.
0: Oh, Dave, you have to come to Lone Star next year. It's it's just it's amazing to me how many bikers come to this little island. Like and you don't realize it during the day because the the vendor areas are kind of spread out, you know, there's harborside, there's seawall. So it's kind of a good um a good spread. So no area is just completely overwhelmed or saturated throughout the day. But at night, when you go over to the Strand, the Strand is like Bourbon Street.
2: Yeah.
0: With motorcycles. It's ridiculous. And there are just so many people, like, you can't – it's it's like that place will piss you off because people are just all over the place acting stupid. Everybody's hitting the rev limiter with their bikes and just everybody's being – dumb, you know, but everybody's drinking, everybody's having a good time, for some reason people bring their kids, I can't figure that one out, but um, it's crazy, I, I shot a quick little video and posted it uh, last Saturday night, which obviously is the, the busiest night, and I mean, it's just crazy, they say that there are 450,000 bikers that come for this four day event, and the reason that I know that it is so busy and so many people are there is because you know how most rallies, if it's a four-day rally, Thursday is pretty dead. Friday and Saturday are the busiest days, and then Sunday is also pretty dead, right? Yeah. Sunday at this event is slam-packed. Crazy. So that's why it was kind of okay. I, I know a few people were a little bummed out, but – it was raining crazy Saturday, and Baddest Bagger was supposed to start uh, – registration started at 11 that morning. And I texted Tony, and I was like, what are you going to do? Like, are you still going to have the show? Are you going to postpone it? Because um, I didn't open my booth. We didn't open until, like, 2 o'clock that afternoon because it was just raining so bad. And um, he was like, I'm just going to call it, and we're going to do it tomorrow. So I was like, yeah, that's probably best because, I mean – Texas brings the heat. Like there are so many nice custom bikes that come to Baddest Bagger in Texas, and I would just hate to see them get those fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar bikes, hundred thousand dollar bikes out in rain and saltwater wind. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. So they postponed it till the next day, and they still had a great turnout. Um, All Star Baggers did amazing. Um, They brought several brand-new bikes, and uh, they kind of stole the show with those. Um, I found a video online of Baddest Bagger. Somebody shot it. I don't know whose it was. I stole it. But um, I put it on our wide-open radio uh, pages, and it kind of shows all the bikes that were lined up. Um, Misfit was there. Like I said, uh, all-star baggers, a lot of people uh, that you guys put in the magazines. And um, it was a good show.
1: Didn't all- didn't all Star have like four or five bikes that place, including winning the Baddest Bagger?
0: yeah, they had one that won first place in the pro class uh the purple bike, I believe it was purple yeah. um the one that won the top the top prize of Baddest Bagger was the um it's like a orangey root beer color brown color um that was a beautiful bike um. Uh, 32-inch lay frame, Roking, and then they did win something else. I don't remember exactly what that was. I'm trying to find the show results that I posted, Um, but it was a good show. I mean, did you get any feedback from Tony on it?
1: You know, this week has been so crazy, and and I've been – it's one of those times where normally I wouldn't go in the office, but I I can't afford not to. So I've literally – today was the first day that I didn't sleep in my office at some point you know, wow. you're just so sick. And so I have not talked to Tony. I haven't got any feedback. And uh, so, yeah, I've just been like, I've been looking at our own pages to see who won and and how mm-hmm. it looked. And uh, I did a cruise out of Galveston a year and a half ago, and I was so excited because I've seen all the coverage we've done on Galveston. It just looked like so much fun. And it rained uh, three days before the cruise. <laughs> then we went on the cruise and came back and it rained the two days we were there. So nobody even went out and we never get to, to hang out down the stream. Cause nobody wanted to to go out in the rain. There. So I, I I need to go there at some point, but yeah. the high sea r- rally has always interfered with it.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it, I found the post that has all the winners and to be a hundred percent honest with you guys, I can't even pronounce half these names. Um, I'll repost it so you guys can read it, but the it was the 2012 uh, 32 inch lay, lay frame Road King the won baddest bagger there, um, and then let's see, Afkicker kicker took an award home for that for one of their bikes. Um, let's see, yeah, Art had several all star baggers, but I'll post all the results again so you guys can read them. Um, some of those names I know I would butcher. Uh, what else about Lone Star? Um, the
1: you know the. Um, I, I I talked to Len and Len and Shope always used to set up there, and those guys have just kind of come to the conclusion that it's just too far for them to sh- to go for a three or four day show,
3: and right. that's why
1: you're not not seeing the the guys from Arizona and the West Coast going out there anymore, which which is a shame. It sounds like that should be a week long event
0: it it honestly should be for the number of people that I mean they've they on a on a non anniversary year four hundred fifty thousand is about what they claim for Sturgis right
1: uh for non yeah non anniversary that's kind of their normal is yeah four fifty yeah. to maybe four eighty uh well I mean you guys have i would think a pretty good judge when somebody says the numbers because you can say, hey, at Sturgis we had x amount of visits. And they told you, I mean, you guys do this yeah. at every major rally. So yeah, the only thing con- is,
0: believe it or not, Sturgis is one of our lowest, that's where we get some of our lowest numbers. We have fewer people stop and actually engage at our booth than any other rally we go to. And I don't know if it's because it's just so overwhelming being out in Sturgis and there's so many places to go and you have things to do and people to see, but that we get our lowest numbers there. So it's kind of it's kind of hard to compare anything to Sturgis because we may do we may we may engage with eight hundred people a day at Sturgis, which is about our average. Whereas, like Bikes Blues and Barbecue, we engage with over two thousand people a day. Lone Star Rally, wow. we engage with about uh, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen hundred a day. It's weird that we don't do uh, better with that in Sturgis, but. Um, it's it's crazy there. It's a great event. Um, I'm actually in the middle of writing a uh, blog entry to put on the Wide Open Radio website about Lone Star Rally, and it's going to be a long post. But I mean, I'm writing about the hotel that I. I'm very loyal to the hotel that I stay in there. I stay at Harbor House. It's right by the port on Harbor Side, and it's just such a cool place. I mean, it's very industrial. Um, I had this big suite that had a a big bedroom and a a huge living room, and um, they've redone some things in there. It has all exposed beam ceilings, and I could wake up every morning and out of any window in my whole place, I could see, like, the harbor where the cruise ships leave out of and all the tugboats go by to the um, oil oil ports and stuff. Very cool place. So I'm writing about that. I'm writing about the airport that you fly into, where to go when you're there, and – all kinds of stuff. So I'll have that up this week for everybody to see, along with some pictures. Um, so that's now, do you one fly the tar- into Houston? I do, but I fly into Houston Hobby on the south side. I made the mistake a couple of times of flying into Bush, intercontinental up north, and uh, <laughs> it's a mess. Houston traffic is crazy. So I try to stay out of that. I fly into the south side. It's about a 45-minute ride from the airport out to Galveston Island. So it's not bad. And there's plenty of places to stop on the way, restaurants, gas, shopping. So it's cool. Well,
1: it's so funny, i got to get you out the there problem? next year maybe. I will do my best. Uh, find, find me the dates because I know I've got something on uh, November 5th, which is a Friday.
0: That is probably exactly when it is. I'm going to look it up right now. Um. Next thing on my list, while I'm looking this up, is well let
1: me let me inter- let me interrupt okay. you for a second. So what I'm what I'm doing on November fifth is there's going to be probably a hundred of us that have done the high seas rally, and since there's mm-hmm. no high seas rally next year, we're doing our own cruise, and it's going to be mm-hmm. we're going to call it like the legacy cruise or something, and mm-hmm. it's just all friends that have been on there and huh. we're going to do our own thing, and, and we're we're going to meet and probably talk and see if we can just donate some money to Wounded Warriors or, or our own thing, and maybe we can that's raise $10,000 while we're awesome. doing it.
0: That is awesome. And I know you'll keep that going for years and years because that's where you and Samara got engaged kind of, and that'll be like an anniversary thing for you guys, an engagement anniversary trip.
1: So we've already booked it, and, I, and, I, and once we get the group number, I'll, we'll put something on because everybody's invited. It's just, you know, just very casual and all motorcycle people hanging out, having fun on the on the water. So hopefully high Seas will cool. come back in 2017. You know, that's all of our goal is that they do come back because it is such yeah. a great charity. But uh, if not, we'll keep doing this uh, and mm-hmm. grow this. Just no, not for profit, just for fun. Yeah
0: that's awesome if anybody can do it i know you can so that's really cool we'll have to uh have a show about it once you get everything all lined up next year definitely um i can't find any results for a date for lone star rally next year it was the fifth through the eighth this year and i think they moved it back it used to be like the last weekend of october I don't know why they moved it back. I know there was a reason. I can't remember what it is. I'm assuming it's going to stay that first weekend of November. So that's probably going to count you out for next year. It's too bad because if it
1: if if it was the week earlier, then I, I'm pretty huh. sure I could come.
0: Maybe they'll move it back. Who knows? We'll see. They are. They're probably taking a break right now. They haven't updated anything because it just ended. Um, next thing I want to talk about is the cover contest that you guys are doing with American Bagger. There's a lot of really cool bikes in that contest, and there's still, what, four four or five days left? It ends on the 17th, I believe.
1: Yeah, and uh, tonight, you know, a lot of times Jesse and I are both running in different directions, and we only get to talk at, you know, from 5.15 to 5.30, and he goes, uh, you'll never guess who's in the lead. And I know it was uh you uh Corey was, was in second for a long time, he was close, uh All Star was in first for a long time, but it looked like James Patience had uh taken the lead. So we know there's still time well, to go. Sneaky
0: sneak James.
1: Yeah, so uh, and you know, I still think his story is the coolest but, and I think yeah he too that his five year old son designed it and we got the text sheet back on that and he sent Pictures in with his son and the bike, so I think we'll do. You know how we did the uh, back page picture. We'll probably put that as a back page picture, uh, so the son gets to print. I mean, how cool is that? Five or six years old, and you get to be in a motorcycle magazine. Uh,
0: So cool! And you know, he's probably going to school. Like, you guys haven't seen my motorcycle. Let me tell you about it. And those kids are probably like, "Whoa, that's so cool!" And the teachers are probably like, "Yeah, okay." You have a motorcycle. Yeah, right.
1: I don't know if I told you about a month and a half ago. So every year for the last couple of years, my friend Deja, who will be 11 on January 2nd, uh, she's Mm -hmm. been in our Sturgis Guide, where she, from a child's perspective, because there's a lot of families that come out here, what kind of child do? She talks about the different things. So she gets her picture in the magazine. So she's been in the magazine three or four times now. And uh, she's been on my bike just when we ride around. In, in the shop parking lot. So her mom uh, sent me a text, and she goes, well, one of the kids got picked up at school on a Harley, and now Deja wants you to pick her up. So I had to go down. Oh. I've never, never picked up a kid at school, and I'm sitting there in the parking lot on the bike, and some mom almost hits me in her car, and uh, oh, she parks, God. and she you weren't moving, were you? And I said, no, I wasn't going to move. And I said, "Am I in the right place?" And this, she took me under her wing and she walked me out to the right place. And then you got to wait for (laughs) traffic. And also, she can be one of the cool kids and be on a Harley. So there is hope for the next generation. They they want they still think Harleys are cool. So
2: that's so nice uh, of you.
1: Yeah, she's my you know my adopted niece. I met her when she was four years old. She lived when I had to move my mom from California. Her and her mom lived Uh next door, and they really. Really helped me that year. That uh, when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, they right. were like an extended family. So I, I do whatever I can. She's the one that I get the snow globes for around the country.
0: Okay, all right, that's cool. Very cool. You I, I'm trying to remember how long that was on Lynn Edmondson's episode, right?
1: Yeah, where I talked about okay. Lynn yeah. not knowing what a globe was, and when I described it, he's like, you really want one of these, Dave? And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's for a 10-year-old girl. It's okay. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, <laughs> he sent me a couple now.
0: That's funny.
1: It, it's All Len's right. birthday. Len's birthday is the 14th, and I sent his gift out today, so it's going to miss his birthday, so I need to text him and let him know.
0: Uh-oh. Well, happy birthday to Len at Ass Kickers from us. Yeah. Um, I'm Saturday. So I want you to I tell people um, – how they can vote on the contest.
1: Well, you go to uh, the American bagger page on Facebook and you have to like us and be a fan. And then you can vote on one of the five bikes. And uh, I think there's six bikes and we'll probably run four of them in the February issue with the winner being on the cover. So we'll, we'll take the top four and put them in there and, all very different bikes, all very nice bikes. There's something for everybody in there. And, yeah, it, I mean, James Patience, who's been on the cover of Urban two or three times, but not on American. I mean, he said on our okay. show that his his goal is to – he won't be happy until he's on the cover. So this could be the bike that gets it. Corey could win. All-Star could win. I mean, it it could go either way right now. It, it depends how hard of a push I think these guys do, how many shares are out there. uh yeah. how creative people get.
0: Yeah. Well, there's definitely some beautiful bikes in the contest, um, and everybody's doing a good job with the the whole sharing thing. So I just wanted to bring it up in case our listeners haven't heard about it, so they can go to the American Bagger Facebook page. Uh, You guys have it pinned to the top, so it'll be the very first post that everybody sees. Um, Just scroll through there, find the bike that you think should be on the cover, like it, share it, um, help get the word out. So we talked about Kobe. We talked about Thanksgiving. Um, what else do you have, Dave?
1: Yeah, nothing. I'm just worn out. I'm actually home for a month. I think the next time I'm on the road is uh, second weekend of December for the New York IMS show. Okay. And then I think I'm home for a month after that. This that's the nice thing is we finally get a little bit of break this time of year before yeah. it starts beginning of February at, at uh, Cincinnati and I think the week before that I usually go out to Phoenix and see all my Phoenix guys since those guys really don't come to Cincy so I do a, a sweep through and, and I'll see Len and Shope and Yaffe and all of those Trask but uh, yeah it's, it's kind of quiet for you know after being just 100 miles an hour it's yeah. nice to be home and and uh, I've got a, a long list of honeydews to that I should have done this summer that you never have a chance to do. So, I'm actually—I so used to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go crazy if I was home too long, but um, I'm really looking to forward to being home.
0: Well, I hear that. I'm coming back from Lone Star Rally. It's, I don't think it's hit me yet that that's the last rally that I travel to um, until Daytona. I mean, I go to Thunder by the Bay, but that's right here in my backyard, so the next place that I travel is March and March is going to be a huge bike week. We've already started planning a bunch of stuff for it, but um, it hasn't hit me yet that I don't have to go to any more rallies for the rest of the year. I don't do any of IMS. You're going to New York IMS, which is probably the biggest one. Um, I don't do any of those. I don't, I don't usually go to, to Cincy because Corey goes. So one of us has to stay here at the shop. Guess who that is. So, uh, I usually miss that one. That's a boys' trip anyway. I that's a total boys' trip. But um, well, yeah. Well,
1: think about this. What's the weather in Sarasota in February?
0: <laughs> so much better than Cincy.
1: <laughs> so, so it, it it is a boys' trip. But I always say, you know, if you want to come on a trip, do you really want to go to Cincinnati in February?
0: I know. You know what? Because it's a boys' trip, I'll put this out there for all of our friends in the industry. If if you guys are going to Cincinnati, send your wives down here to Sarasota, and we'll have a girls' beach weekend, and we'll see who has a better time. <laughs> you guys so go he, so to the Brass Ass in Cincy and have your fun there, and we'll just be here getting a tan on the beach.
1: Is that an actual place, or did you make that up?
0: The Brass Ass, yes, it's a place. Yeah.
1: So if, yeah. if that place exists, it would be on the Kentucky side, I'm guessing.
0: <laughs> Good guess.
1: <laughs> so but that's the real name of it.
0: That is the real name. Corey has a T-shirt to prove it. And on the T-shirt, they depict their girls exactly how they actually are with Band-Aids on their stab wounds and things of that nature. So next time you're in Cincy – In February, get with Corey. He'll take you and show you just how nice of a place it is.
1: Now, and I just had this talk with Samara where we were in Vegas, and I was sick pretty much the whole trip, and everybody was going out to the strip joint. I said, I'm not going to go. And she texts back. She goes, it's okay if you go. You know, I'm not jealous. It's okay. And I said, I used to, I don't know if I ever told you this, I used to escort strippers to bachelor parties.
2: So I okay. would be the
1: guy that make make sure nothing happened. I'd collect the money, and then I'd come out and go, "Okay, if you want something really nasty to happen, we need more money." And and you did that. So there's <laughs> no mystery to me that the stripper with a heart of gold, the stripper working on her PhD. To me, it's right
2: kind
1: of been there, done that. So that's when all these guys go to the strip joint. I'm like, no, thank you. So I've never been to the brass ass. I've never heard of the brass ass because I don't go over the river to Kentucky when I'm in Cincinnati. <laughs>
0: So. It's worth the Uber. Just do it, it once.
1: It, do they Uber in Cincinnati now? I don't know.
0: I'm sure they do. Where can you not Uber besides Sarasota? They banned Uber here. Uh, um,
1: you, can, you can Uber be, in Daytona, by the way. Oh, you, know you know what?
0: I didn't even think about that, and that's perfect. I wonder if all the people that go to these events know about Uber yet. Surely they do.
1: That's I kind did of Uber Vegas. Thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Vegas has it for the first time, and I did I did it twice. And yeah. uh, 30, thirty bucks to go from uh, Hard Rock to my house, and that's worth uh, not getting a DUI. So,
0: where's your house, Hendersonville? Henderson. Hendersonville, Henderson. Okay.
1: I think Hendersonville is like in your southern Hick area. It's just Henderson.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't have to add so- the bill. You know. You mentioned Yaffe and Phoenix, so I want to bring something up just so we can start talking about this now, because it's going to be that big of a deal, and I haven't even really talked to you much about it yet, but April, Arizona Bike Week, we've talked, confirmed. Uh, Yaffe wants us to do another show with him in Arizona for Arizona Bike Week, and I told them today, I want to make it a huge deal like I think that we should go um, because you go to Arizona but you'll be there next year I'm assuming
1: yeah yeah we do Baddest Bagger there that's our top three Baddest Bagger show Uh, it's the second one we ever did behind Sturgis Uh,
2: what
1: we yeah what we have to do is do it live uh, with the three of us Um, you know all of our buddies are going to be there we just have to find a quiet place with a good enough speaker um, speakerphone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we can, we can all sit there together and, and talk. Yeah, I think it'd be a blast. And actually, well, we're
0: going go to go to his shop. My... Oh,
1: you want to do it from his shop? On maybe, uh, yeah. Well, one week. How far we have to look is that what...
0: from? How far uh,
1: is that from... Quote me, but I'd say fifteen miles, which oh. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, maybe we'll do it
0: from there. By then, I'm hoping we'll have the technology and the the know-how to maybe do some um, on-site quickie interviews, like maybe, you know, 10-minute whenever we come across somebody, because you know we'll run into John there and um, Paul and, uh, and a bunch of people in the industry. Maybe we'll have the technology then to be able to do little quickie 10-minute interviews while we're out at the event too and then we can edit those all into a future show. Which I think will be cool.
1: Yeah. Well it'd be great to do something live from the event and then to do like the follow up uh, the weekend after.
2: Yeah. Where
1: we we have these. Um yeah. you know that's that's a that's a, a crazy time because last year remember Donnie Smith and A C Bike Week were the same weekend. This year uh-huh. they're on Opposites. So I think uh, instead of driving to Minneapolis, I will fly so I can get home Sunday night, and then I head out uh, to AZ Tuesday so I can be there for Wednesday all day.
0: Yeah. I I think because of that, I think attendance is going to be even better at Arizona Bike Week this year. I know a lot of um, Midwest, Donnie Smith, um, Faithfuls, Curtis Hoffman, for example. You know, Curtis came out to Arizona Bike Week two years ago, but... He's, of course, faithful to Donnie because they're neighbors, basically. So uh, he stayed out there for Donnie's show this year. So with them being opposite weeks, I think we're going to see a lot of people because there's a lot of builders in Minnesota and up in that area. I think we'll see a lot of them down in Arizona that we didn't see last year.
1: You know, I've only missed two Donnie Smith shows in the last, I think, 20 years, and One was this past year because I had to be at uh, AZ Bike Week and we split the team. And I want to say it was six or seven years ago that Drag Specialties had a a show in Reno when they just opened that warehouse and that was Uh something I had to go to. So we split the, the troops on that one as well. But that's literally my favorite show. We only That, I think, is that and our local show are the only shows we ever have a booth at. And uh, yeah. I'm just a big i I'm a big fan of Donnie and, and Neil Ryan who puts on the show I'm a huge fan of and he's kind of the one that uh he does all the work but nobody ever mentions his name. So I love going um, to Donnie Smith's show.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, I wanted to bring that up because you know Donnie Smith's a big show we'll we'll have to cover that too. Um the Arizona Bike Week is definitely one of my favorite events and I wanna I want to blow it out of the water with that show. Yaffe's excited about it. Um, they've got me excited about it. So I want to do something huge out there. Like you said, we'll have a ton of big names in the industry with us. So that's going to yeah. be that's going to be a really exciting show. So I'm looking forward to that. And I wanted to go ahead and announce that now. Um, that's pretty much all that I have for this week. Do you have anything else you want to close with?
1: No, it was it was nice uh, just talking to you for a change. And uh I mean we we have had some great guests but uh it was yeah. nice getting caught up and uh one it was nice Kevin calling in because he's a talented guy, you know, with the seat company and he does some really cool bag lids and, and he's a guy that I don't know that well but I'm getting to know.
2: Right
1: and he's a guy that's had the the bikes in the magazine and, and, and he's gonna do more of that. And then getting, you know, Josh to call in who you know, we don't know him from Adam, but he's asking the question that I'm sure is on a lot of people's minds. You know, how do you do this big wheel thing? So that yeah. was kind of cool. We had a, uh, a cross-section, and I'd like to see more of that. And, and you know, as much fun as it is talking to, you know, Doug Magoon for an hour and a half, maybe we need to shorten that up sometimes and uh, and get more of the everyday people.
0: Yeah, you know, part of me, and I'm just going to throw this out there you don't like it, throw it back. But part of me is starting to think that we may need to do more shows. I don't know. But part of me is starting to think that we should have some shows that are like this and have other shows where we have uh, guests and things like that. So I don't know. Maybe there's some things we need to talk about. Maybe we'll be adding some shorter episodes here and there.
1: You know, I would love to see, you know, when we talk about technology, I would love to see, you know, you can't always get to the Joshes, you know, who called Mm -hmm. in. It would be nice if there was a way that somebody like Josh could call in and say, hey, what's a good air cleaner? Or what should I expect when I do a two-in-one exhaust? That they can leave us a voice message that we can play and go, hey, this is Josh from uh, Gatlinburg, and he's got a t- 2014 Street Glide, and he wants to know. And then, you know, let them hear his words because you know it's great when you read a question, but I think mm-hmm. it's more effective when you can people hear that uh, it's a live person. And I, I've yeah. written about this before. I, have you ever noticed that we did We've never done a letters column. We never published letters because I can remember. Yeah. For years, most magazines—they were phony ones.
0: Oh yeah.
1: And there's still that would be easy to do. run. Yeah, and there's still ones to run phony ones. So I always said, why do I want to give up valuable space on a tech story or a bike feature to run phony stuff? So it's kind of nice to hear somebody's voice and go, oh God, the guys listen to that thick accent, or right. you know, just to hear. That, that it's it's a real person that's just got the question. So it's um, something to think about, but it'd be nice if, if we – I would think it'd be easy for somebody to just to record a question.
0: Well, you know, you've got my wheels turning now because I know – well, I didn't know this a few days ago. This is probably way old news to everybody else. But I, I just found out the other day that you can send a voicemail to someone via text or whatever. So let me look into it and see if I have a designated phone number for people to call in and they leave a voicemail. If I can send that voicemail to my computer, which I should be able to do because on my iMac I have messages, and see if I can somehow translate that to an MP3 and add it to the studio lineup. I think we can do that. Let me look into it.
1: (laughs) What? And I think, you know, I I like to think of things way in advance. So when we do go to Phoenix and we say, okay, we know we're going to talk to Paul. We know we're going to talk to Len. We think we're going to talk to John. Matt Ridley might be stopping by. Nick Trask might be here. And we start going, hey, if you've got a question for Paul, leave it for us. Because I think then it's a lot quicker and... It it does get kind of awkward if somebody's still on the line, but hey, listen to yeah. the show because we are going to address these questions and it, we can plan yeah. it out better. So yeah. Just a thought.
0: No, I like it. Um, I think we've got a lot of big stuff coming. I'm excited about where we're headed for 2016. Um, and things like this are even more exciting to me because I think there's a lot of ways out there that we haven't addressed yet that we can really grow the show and grow our audience. So I'm looking forward to it. Um Another thing I want to mention real quick, I've been working on our website. Um, I don't know if you've had a look at it, probably not, because I know you've been super busy, but um, I did our first blog post, and it was just something simple. Um, I didn't spend much time on it at all. I just wanted to get something up there. Um, I did a blog post on the teddy bear run that we're doing here in Sarasota um, on Sunday, and I just wanted to do it as an example for myself to see what my options are, how I can get the blog post out there. It turned out really well. So I'm going to try to start adding several blog posts a week. So I am open to people sending their local events to me, just like I posted a local event for myself. If anybody, uh, any of our listeners are doing like a poker run or anything like that, Send them to us. It's info at wideopenradioshow.com. Send me the info. If you have an e-flyer or something that you can attach, send that too, And it takes me all of 10 minutes to pop that up as a blog post for all of our listeners to see. So I want to start doing that. And then, of course, whenever you or I go to events, um, I'll do a blog post on that and use the pictures that we take. And that will just be another outlet that our listeners can go to to get more uh, news on what's going on in the industry
1: and i will uh i will make an effort to start uh posting as well you know just as i think of stuff yes.
0: okay. during the
1: day very cool all
0: right well i think that's it um we're cutting it off right at 90 minutes this time so we i said earlier maybe this you will know, be a shorter show but no. you
2: know the
1: the only the only thing uh i wanted to say is, is i keep using guilty pleasure because when i talk to the industry friends that we have it, and we're hearing more of our industry friends are listening and enjoying it than uh But when I talk to, like when Sam listens to it, she goes, I think it's so much fun when when it's you and Courtney talking. And and you two haven't met yet because she likes our our interaction. She goes, when you get to the motorcycle stuff, she listens, but she kind of tunes out. And uh, my buddy Paul, who rode to the 75th with us, his wife Tracy, the feedback I've gotten is the same thing. She likes our interaction, but when it gets to the motorcycle stuff, it's like, eh, eh, eh. So uh, I don't don't know if Tracy's still listening, but we're we're realizing that and I think that's why we changed it up a little tonight and just yeah. didn't have a guest just you and I talking.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that's awesome to hear. I mean, you you gave the best compliment to the show last week whenever you said that you were at Sema, this huge event that people come to from all over the world and you're standing in a circle of people that are talking about our show. So cool.
1: Yeah, so I think I think we're on to something.
0: I hope so. I think so. So I'm excited. Um, Everybody check out WideOpenRadioShow.com. Don't forget to go to American Baggers' Facebook page. Vote on the bike that you think should be on the cover cover of February's issue. And Dave and I will be back with you guys next Thursday. I believe we're going to do a 7 p.m. show. Is that right? Yep. 7 p.m. Eastern uh, with Kobe Klein of Speed by Design. So until then guys, everybody have a great week. Go to the website. We'll talk to you on Facebook and we'll see you next week. Bye, Dave.
1: Take care. Bye.